message series that we're calling Blessed to be a Blessing. And uh, if you were here last week, I made reference to the fact, or for those of you that weren't here last week, I made reference to the fact of how God has blessed this church. This year we celebrate our 115th anniversary, 115 years of doing ministry to this community right here on this very piece of ground. And God has blessed us, and it is in our DNA. It always has been, and I believe it always will be, that God has blessed us so that we would be a blessing to those around us. I shared with you last week some examples of how this church uh, has taken, taken the blessings that God has given us and the blessings that... He has poured out on us, and they are many, but He has taken those blessings that He's given us, and He's multiplied those blessings so that others would be blessed. And not just so that others would be blessed, but so that others would know about Him. And others would come and join into the kingdom of God. And eternity has been changed forever because this church has taken the blessings and allow God to multiply them so that we could be a blessing uh, to others. And so I, I shared with you last week some of the uh, uh, ways that God has used us and some things that God has done through us. And I shared with you uh, uh, about how uh, we were involved in the initial launch of Crossroads Cowboy Church over at El Paso. And unless you live in a hole, you've heard about Crossroads Cowboys Church over in El Paso. It is the fastest growing church of the Nazarene in North America. And uh, the pastor of that church, some of you that haven't been around here long, uh, you may have heard that a fellow by the name of Ron Riddle and his wife Wanda pastor the church over in El Paso. Well, Ron, when I came to this church, was a member of the Greenbrier Church of the Nazarene. He was rough as a cob. Rough, like some of you. Uh, and God got a hold of his life and called him into the ministry. Uh, he is uh, Wes Corinne Tarkington's brother-in-law. Wanda is actually Wes's sister. And so they have deep roots here in Greenbrier and here in this church. And, and uh, this past week, I had the opportunity to be in Kansas City. I was at a, an evangelism conference all week in Kansas City uh, that was geared toward evangelism and outreach and what it looks like in our world today. And, and basically the emphasis of the entire gathering was that church as we once knew it is no more. And we have to begin to get creative, and we have to begin to think outside the box, and we have to get out of our comfortable uh, little purple chairs and go into the world and be a blessing to other people. And so it was very challenging to a lot of pastors. The majority of the people there were pastors and, and church leaders as, as we discussed and we talked about and we went through training and we talked about what it looks like to evangelize the lost in the world that we live in today. And in every service and every gathering, uh, they, they showed a little video of a church or a ministry that was building the kingdom of God in unique ways. And uh, on the second night... Uh, they showed a video uh, that highlighted the ministry of Crossroads Cowboy Church. And I, I just want to share it with you this morning and uh, let you see what God's doing. Really, it's conquering the fear. Fear has such a way of paralyzing people. Because that's why it's so much adrenaline, because there's so much possibility for what could go wrong and uh, how bad you could get hurt. And that's what keeps some people from being good rough stock riders is just fear. And keeps some people from being strong Christians is fear. El 
Paso, Arkansas is a little bitty town. There's not even a couple hundred people in it. There's two stations in the, in the corner and a post office. But what I knew about El Paso, everything cowboy that happens in Arkansas passes through El Paso, uh, going to a rodeo one way or another. And so I determined through prayer and just studying about it that El Paso is where we needed a cowboy church. This has uh, been one of the most uh, challenging and rewarding things I've ever been a part of. A lot of hard work. I think I've worked a lot harder than I ever did as a traditional pastor and had to make some adjustments myself in the way I approached ministry. When I preached in a traditional church, I pretty much was preaching to the choir every Sunday morning. But I know that when I stand up and preach here on Sunday morning, there's a good chance that anywhere from a quarter to half my congregation is as lost as they can be. And so that puts fire in my belly to clearly present the gospel. They believe in God, but just because they know God, that lots of them never had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They believe in God, but they but they rodeo on the weekends, they horse show on the weekends. And so a cowboy pastor's gotta understand where they come from that's what's so exciting is that these folks are great people, but they need to know Jesus Christ. You've got to make a connection with the community to allow you the opportunity to evangelize. That's the deal here is that we have a built-in connection with this community through the arena. And then second of all, you've got to lower the barriers to coming to church. We've got to stop expecting people to behave and dress and talk just like we do because they've been there one time. The men is who we target. And that's that guy, probably spends a lot of time in the bar, never spend any time in church. But they they've been overlooked just simply because they wouldn't they wouldn't modify to what the church says church looks like. Once the gospel's presented, you know, the Holy Spirit does the work, but sometimes you, you don't get that opportunity because of the roadblocks that are in the way. And so we're always gonna keep it like a real simple barn setting where, you know, Cowboy Joe feels comfortable to come in with, you know, horse poop on his boots. We're not changing the message, but we're sure changing the environment uh, that it's presented in and, uh, and our methods. I've had people come to me and say, hey, you know, so-and-so's got alcohol in their breath or I think they got it in their cup, you know. And, and I've, I've had people there to tell me, you know, if you don't ask them to leave, we're going to leave. And I just said, you know, look, if you leave, there's a dozen other churches right up and down this road right here that you can go to and you'll be accepted and right at home. But if I ask that individual to leave, they may never darken the door of a church again, and most likely they won't. And so I think as long as those people are there, we're getting the chance to share the good news with them, and that sooner or later, the grace of God's gonna get through. It's the way we do church, and we just, we take people right where they're at. We all go through crisis experiences, and I think that's how God grows us, usually. These guys go through crisis just like anybody else. They have parents that die, brothers that get killed, somebody gets hurt. And, and so they, you know, that's when they sometimes start seeking out spiritual help as well. And, and they want to go to somebody they feel like's been there and done it, you know, somebody that understands where they're coming from. And so um, I'm, you know, I'm not proud of anything I ever did that wasn't connected with the Lord, but I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that I can pull from that those experiences to kind of identify with some of these guys. We're seeing people get saved that normally wouldn't have darkened the doors of a church, families that are being restored, and we've just built a great community here. It's awesome what God's doing over there, and uh, I remember when this all was 
coming together and the idea was being kicked out there and our district was talking about you know starting a cowboy church and it was going to start with an arena first we were going to build an arena start having events in the community before we ever mentioned that it was going to be a church just to build that community that Ron was talking about there in the video and as we began talking about how what that was going to look like and how it was going to take place and the amount of money that it was going to take to get that started there were people that were adamantly opposed to it they couldn't picture how God could use such a thing and God has taken such a thing and brought many into the kingdom of God we as the church are not a building with stained glass windows and padded chairs and heat and air. We are a community of believers that God has called to make disciples. That is what we've been called to do by any means possible. Whatever it takes, whatever it costs, there is not one soul that is not worth that. And so, of course... You know, it's awesome what God's doing. And you had a huge hand in that. It was because you believed in the mission. You believed uh, in, in, you know, what we felt God was wanting to do over there. And you stepped up to the plate. Well, I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I was in a board meeting when they were talking about this. And they were trying to figure out how they were going to make the payments for the, for the first year because they basically had no income and they had no money. And I said, I know my church, and I believe they'll pay that. And then I prayed, God, uh, I've committed to something here. I can't back up. And so I went to the board, and of course, like I said, it, it's always been in our DNA that we would be generous and we would be givers and that God has blessed us to be a blessing. It's who we are. It's why we're here for such a time as this. And, and so, you know, it, it's beyond obvious to me and that, that God has had his hand on this church for 115 years. And he has blessed us, and we're blessed. And, and, you know, what he has done in the past, I believe, is just a foretaste of what he wants to do through us in the days ahead. Uh, I don't know what that looks like, but... I believe we've got to be available and be open for him to do through us what he wants to do through us and what he wants to do uh, in us. And God has blessed us. And with that blessing, folks, comes a responsibility. We have a responsibility to be a blessing to others. But the challenge goes much deeper than just the church. The, the challenge goes so much deeper than what we do as a church, and, and it's much more personal than that. So we've been asking uh, this question over the past few weeks, where has God blessed you? Right, because it's all of us that make up the church. And so in order for us to take our blessings and be a blessing with those blessings, it doesn't just happen as a church unit. It has to take place in our lives personally and individually. And so we've been asking the question, where has God blessed you and what does he intend for you to do with the blessings that he's poured out upon you? Because with those blessings comes the responsibility that we would use it for his glory and for his honor. And we would use it for his blessing. And, and so we've been looking at the life of Abraham, the father of our faith. Right? And, 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 you know, I, I told you when we began the series that I believe Abraham gives us a, a great picture of how God wants to use each of us, you know, to be a blessing to others, be a blessing to our families, be a blessing to our community. But even greater than that, I, I think sometimes we get, too, we get blinders on and we think it's just about, you know, what's happening right here in a, a little town with a population of 5,000. But there may be some Abrahams in this congregation today that God would take and use that would make an impact on the entire world in years to come. And so, you know, uh, today here in chapter 22, we're going to see Abraham, we're going to see him face a difficult test. 
probably the, the, the greatest test that Abraham faced while he was here on this earth. And, and, and probably uh, none of us will ever face such a test from God as our faith is tested. But by now, in, in, here in chapter 22, Abraham and his wife, they've had this miracle baby boy. Right? And, and, and uh, it, it, they named him Isaac, which is, is funny. Because the name Isaac means son of laughter. Okay? That's what the name Isaac means, son of laughter. So they've kind of embraced what God is doing here. And, and, and they see the humor in it because it, it, it's kind of funny. Because think about it. Abraham is 100 years old when Isaac is born. Right? Which meant that Abraham and Isaac were both probably in diapers at the same time. <laughs> And they see the irony in this, and so they call him the son of laughter because this is funny. And I know I shouldn't joke about such a thing because some of you are there, but let, let's, go to, let's go to God's Word before I get any deeper trouble here. Let's pick it up at verse 1 here, chapter 22. God's Word says this, After these things, which means after the birth of Isaac, this miracle baby, who's now about 15 years old, by the way, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham... And Abraham responded, here I am. And here I am is not just Hebrew for hello. All right? Abraham is saying, as he responds to God as he always has, right? He's saying, okay, God, I'm listening. I hear you speaking to me. Here I am. I'm ready for your command. I'm ready for what you have for me next. This, this statement that he makes here is a statement of surrender. Okay? And this is almost an un unbelievable response when you think about it because every time previously that God has come to him or spoke to him or asked him to do something, it's always been asking him to leave something good. Right? We saw where God had asked him to leave his family, to leave uh, you know, his land. There was always you know, a, a sacrifice that had to be made. There was also always you know, something that God was leading him to or calling him to do that just didn't seem possible. I mean, it, you, you look at it and you hear it and you would be like, that is impossible. And, and I'll be perfectly honest with you this morning. At this point, if I were Abraham, I would be dreading hearing from God again, right? God could audibly be speaking, and I would be like, don't hear that, you know? If I was Abraham, I, I wouldn't be so attentive to God's voice. Or, or if God came to me and said, I've got a test for you, my response more than likely would be, okay, God, give me the test, let me think about it, and here's what I'll do. I'll pray about that. Because that's what we do as good little Christians, right? God puts something on our heart. He convicts us about something. He calls us to do something. And our response is, Christian, I'll pray about that, right? And so that would have been the easy way out for Abraham here. God, I'll pray about that. And, and to be honest, if some of you are honest, that's how you felt as we've gone through this series, right? God, what are you, what are you talking to me about? Well, what is it that you're asking of me in and through this? What do you want from me? What is that blessing that you're wanting me to sacrifice so that others might be blessed for? God, what are, what are, what are you speaking into my life? What am I going to have to give up? Where am I going to have to go? What am I going to have to quit? What am I going to have to change? What am I going to have to give? And, and so you're nervous about that because God is calling and you know it, right? And so we're ready to go in full-fledged negotiations with God. And so, you know, we've been asking ourselves if we are willing enough or if we are faithful enough or obedient enough to put it all on the table and say, God, it's all yours. <laughs> it's all yours. You blessed me with it. It was all yours to begin with, and it's all yours. You do with it. You, you tell me what to do with it, what you want, and I'll surrender it. I'll be available. I'll make it all available to your cause and to your kingdom because you blessed me. And it's my responsibility to be a blessing to others. And, and so, in, 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 you know, Abraham says, here I am. Why? Because he trusts God with his future more than he trusts himself with his future. Right? And some of us think we got it all figured out. God has it figured out so much more better. 
right? His plan is better than your plan will ever be. His blessings are bigger than any that you could ever dream or imagine. And so Abraham says, you've proved it in the past. I know it to be true. I know your promise. You've been faithful. Here I am. What's next? What's next? So in verse 2, God says, here's what's next. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, the son whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now, knowing the history, right, and the promise that God has made to Abraham to what? That he was going to give him, he was going to give him sons, he was going to give him children. Right? He was going to make Abraham the father of all the nations. And so for God to be saying to Abraham now, take this son and offer him to me as a burnt sacrifice, seems unbelievable. I misheard you on that one, God, obviously. That was not God speaking. You know, and Abraham, think about it. He finally has this son that God has promised him, and God says, take your son, take your one and only son, take the son whom you love, right? That son that represented everything to Abraham, right? This son of promise and all of his hopes and dreams. Think about it, this hundred-year-old man, all his hopes and his dreams are in this son being the blessing to the nations that God had promised. It's all that Abraham had to cling to in this world anymore was this son, this gift of God that he had been given. This miracle of God that he and and Sarah had been blessed with. And God says, offer him up to me as a burnt offering. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? You think God's asked you to do some difficult things? Think of what he's asking Abraham uh, to do here. And and I'll just hit pause here for a minute to shift the focus from Abraham to you personally for just a minute. Because this all comes down to us. Because today Isaac could very well represent the one thing to you that you have a white knuckle grip on and you're not willing to let go of. Isaac could very well represent that one thing that you treasure and that you trust the most in your life. The one thing that makes your life worth the living. And and you'll notice as we continue in this story, uh, from this point forward, for a little while, no one is talking. There's no one talking anymore. There's silence uh, now. And, And can I just ask you, what is there that if you lost it, you would be speechless? And God's word continues, verse 3, So Abraham rose early in the morning. He saddled his donkey, and he took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of God, the, the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Now I want you to think about it. What verse 4 is saying here, it says, on the third day. And I don't know about you, but I think in three days, I probably would have talked myself out of this. (laughs) Don't you imagine? So, So don't miss this. True faith is not just our initial response. True faith is often seen on the third day. Some of us know what it's like to start well, right? To make a decision, to make a commitment based on faith. I mean, we feel it. We know God's calling us. We know God wants us to take this step. And we finally say, I'll take that step. And we feel good about ourselves because we've been faithful and obedient, right? To make a decision that is based on our faith in God in the moment, only to falter two or three days later. To fall again into the same old trap, to fall into the same old stuff, to lose the passion. Maybe, maybe some of you are there now. I, I don't know. Maybe 
God asked you to do something and, and you knew initially that it was of God. God was speaking to you clearly about something you needed to do, something you needed to change, something you needed to give up, something you needed to embrace, whatever it may be. And you did that and you were excited about it in the moment. But that's just kind of trickled away over time. Maybe God called you to break off a bad relationship that wasn't honoring Him. And you did it because you knew it was the right thing to do. You knew it was God asking you to do that. But now you're kind of bitter because He asked you to do that because now you're lonely. Right? And, and you feel like you're missing out. And it doesn't seem fair that everybody else has these awesome relationships with people. And they got flowers and candy and all that other stuff for Valentine's Day. And you, you got nothing. And so you're, you're kind of bitter to, at God about that. You know, maybe God led you at some point to make a financial sacrifice, and it's not been easy. It wasn't easy, and it's caused some stress, and it's, it's caused some doubt because you feel like because of the sacrifice that you made, now you're missing out on something because you're seeing all these other people go up and down the road with their boats and their campers and all these things, and you can't do that and you can't have that because God asked you to sacrifice. Listen, you don't really show your faith in the initial response. You don't really show your faith in the initial yes. You show it on the third day. Verse 5 says, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And I don't know, but worship seems like a strange choice of words here for what's going on. Right? I mean, does it not? But don't miss this. He says, we will go over there and worship, and then we will come back to you. Because Abraham was convinced Abraham was convinced that some way somehow they were both coming back <laughs> because God had made him a promise God had made him a promise and Abraham didn't know how he didn't know how God was going to do it he didn't know how it was all going to work out he just believed that it would Verse 6 says, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it on his son Isaac. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father? And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, I see the fire, I see the wood, but where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so now I believe we get a glimpse into what Abraham has, doing, has been doing these last three days that he's spent in silence. He's been reminding himself of the promises of God. And I don't believe not only has he been reminding himself, I believe he's probably been reminding God the entire journey. God, you promised. God, here is your promise that you would go with me. You would never leave me. You would never forsake me. You promised that I would be the father of many nations. Here's the, all the promises that you've made me, God. God, you promised. And I believe in your promises. I believe your promises to be true. And this is so important. What drove Abraham up that mountain that day was not the strength of Abraham. What drove Abraham up the mountain was not the strength of his great character or him somehow thinking, I can get through this, I can manage, I can do this. It wasn't that. But instead, what drove him up a mountain with his son and with a knife and with the fire in his hand was this, God is faithful. That's what drove him up the mountain and kept him going. 
my God has proved it time and time again that he is faithful. And folks, I'll just tell you, the only thing that can drive you forward in faith as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, in your place of ministry where God has called you, through, through difficult and painful times, through financial hardships, the only thing that can keep you going up the mountain on the third day is not your strength. It's not your conviction that you had on day number one, but it's only in the goodness and in the promises of God that we can keep going up the mountain. And for the sake of time, I want to summarize the next few verses. I'm sure most of you are familiar with it. But Abraham, through faith, he built the altar. Right? He laid the wood on the altar. He bound his son, Isaac, and he placed him on the altar. And I'm going to tell you, that's another message all in itself, that a 15-year-old teenage boy allowed, uh, allowed Abraham to do that. Right? I mean, think about it. Isaac's 15-year-old teenage boy. Isaac's 100 years old. I'm pretty sure he could have taken him. <laughs> but I believe Isaac allowed it to happen because he had the same faith in God that his father had. Because he had heard his dad talk about what God had done. He, he had heard his, his, his dad talk about how good God was and what God had done and the promises that God had made. And not only had he heard his daddy talk about it, but he had seen his daddy live it out. And, and don't miss this, parents. Faith is caught by your children. It's not taught. Does how you live... Does how you give, does how you obey the things that God has called you to do, does that teach your children how to obey God? Does the life that you live, is that training up your child that they can trust God and that He is faithful and He's a good God that can be trusted with everything that we have? Do our lives teach that to our children? Faith is called, it's not taught. Then Abraham, he took out his knife. Verse 11 says, But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And again, he says, Still here. <laughs> what? Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son your only son from me see Abraham passed the test he showed that there was nothing not even the greatest love that he had in all of his life there was nothing that he would not trust to God and verse 13 tells us that Abraham looked up he saw a ram that was in a thicket caught by his horns, and Abraham offered it up as a burnt offering that day instead of his son. But I want to look at something that verse 14 says. It says, So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And isn't it interesting that this place is called the Lord provides and it's not called the place where Abraham was obedient. <laughs> the Lord provides. Because here's the deal. There is something so much more important here than Abraham's obedience and it was God's commitment to him. It was God's commitment to you. Here in this moment, Right? Now get this, centuries later, thousand years later, another son, another one and only son, another son whom the father loved, 
would walk up a mountain. And again, that son would willingly crawl up on the wood. But this time, the knife wouldn't be stopped. And the son would be killed. And by the way, a really cool thing about this story. Scholars tell us that these mountains, Moriah, that these mountains where Abraham and Isaac were and this took place, are the very same mountains where Calvary was located. In other words, on the very mountain where Jesus would die, this event took place hundreds of years before Jesus ever came. And more than a thousand years later, Jesus would walk up this same mountain. But this time there was... No substitute lamb that would be provided because he himself was the lamb to be slain. And because of that, we could know that the Father loves us. The Father loves us since he did not withhold his son from us. His only son from us. And you see, this story this morning is not just about Abraham's commitment to God, but it's about, Abraham's, uh, it's about God's commitment to Abraham. It's about God's commitment to you. And when all is said and done and you look back over your life, the thing that's going to stand out to you are not the great sacrifices that you have made, but what's going to stand out to you is the faithfulness that God has shown you. And I'm going to just tell you, the more, the more we understand that now, the more we get that now, the more willing we're going to be to obey Him now. And, and so when you see that God has not withheld His one and only Son from us, the Son that He loves for you, what possibly could we ever withhold from Him? What is there that, that, that we have our grasp on? What is it that we have that is more important than God sending His Son for you? What has more value than that? There's nothing. There's nothing. And when we understand that, we will understand that nothing we have is more valuable than the salvation that we have in and through His Son, Jesus Christ. Now I want you to, to, to watch what happens in verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven. He, don't you know by now, he's tired, of, he's, he's tired of all this. But it, here's what he said. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. Okay? Blessed to be a blessing. Here it comes again, right? I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply. There it is again. He takes our blessings. He multiplies them so that they'll what? Be a blessing to others, right? I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Why? Because you have obeyed my voice. The key to the blessings, the key to the multiplication, the key to being a blessing to others is through our obedience. He says, all of this will take place because you have obeyed my voice. So think about it. Because Abraham obeyed, we are blessed. Because Abraham was faithful and because Abraham obeyed, we receive the blessing. Because Jesus obeyed, you are saved. And because we obey, now try to wrap your minds around all this. All right, because Abraham obeyed, we are blessed. Because Jesus obeyed, we are saved. And because we obey, others will be saved. It continues. The blessing continues. Our faith and obedience are the means by which God continues to multiply and build His kingdom. It's because 
We are obedient. And we are faithful. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. God multiplied him like the stars of the sky, it says. And think about it. You and I sit here as a few of those stars. (laughs) And if we obey, others will enter into the kingdom through our obedience. It's mind-blowing that he would trust you with that assignment. (laughs) It's mind-blowing that he would even consider me for such an assignment. But he has. He picked you. He picked me. So, back to the question we've asked every single week. Where has God blessed you? Where has God blessed you? And what does he intend for you to do with the blessing, to continue the blessing that would be multiplied, that would be a blessing to others so that the kingdom would increase? What is it that he's blessed you with? And what does he intend for you to do with that blessing? Can I ask you this morning, are you willing to carry it up the mountain? That first step is the easiest step third day it gets a little harder are you willing to carry it up the mountain Abraham think about it he carried his first and his best what did God do same mountain carried his first and his best to be sacrificed and it was multiplied to be a blessing to others and the entire world and to me and to you. Like, like I told you when we began this series back in week number one, when we fully understand this and we fully grasp this, that we've been blessed to be a blessing, then we will also understand that the path that Abraham walked is the same path that you and I must travel. It's a journey of faith up that mountain. It's a journey of obedience. So my prayer is that we'll all take this question and we'll honestly wrestle with it. We'll make it a part of our prayer life because I believe with all my heart that God wants to speak this blessing into our lives that He wants to take and multiply to be a blessing to others so that His kingdom will increase and others would come to know Him as Lord and Savior of their life. Because here's the deal. I I don't know what God wants to do in your life or what God wants to do through your life, but I know this. God's doing some amazing things in this world right now, and I don't want to miss out. God's doing some incredible things in this world. I've heard reports all week of just amazing things that God is doing, defying Defying what's taking place in a lot of churches today. God's, God's taking some faithful and some obedient people and He's doing some tremendous things, a tremendous work. God is doing something amazing here at Greenbrier Nazarene. You can't walk through these doors. You can't be a part of this and know and realize and understand God is doing something here. He has multiplied our blessings time and time and time again so that other people would be kingdom people so that other people would be brought into the kingdom and it's taken place right here on this piece of ground for over a century now we're not here by fate folks we're not here today by accident we're here on purpose for a purpose he has placed each of us here right now in this place at this time to be a blessing to be a blessing to others so that others would know him and I believe with all my heart that he's going to change us I believe that he's going to change our church I believe he's going to change our minds about some things I believe he's going to change our community 
and change eternity forever if, like Abraham, we will believe that he's going to do it. We will believe that he wants to do it. We will believe that he wants to do it in our lives, in your life. I know some of you are screwed up. I know that. You've told me. And, and other people have told me about you. So I know you. And so we can't comprehend that God would use us for anything because we know ourselves. But he does. He has a purpose for your life. And it may be even greater than the purpose that he had for Abraham. But it takes that first step up the mountain and then that continued faith, that continued obedience and what he's calling us to and what he's asking us to do. And I don't know what that looks like for you. I can't tell you, but I believe with all my heart that God is telling you. He already has told you, or He's telling you now, or He's going to tell you soon, because I don't believe He had us all go through all this together just to have us sit and wonder. And so my prayer is that we'll be like Abraham, and we'll believe it, and we'll believe that God's promises are true. The gates of hell will not prevail. You've been blessed to be a blessing. And so this morning as we close together in prayer, maybe, I don't know, some folks just need to come pray. I believe that with all my heart, that there's some here that just need to come now in response to God and what He's speaking into your lives. And you need just to take that first step up the mountain right now and come to this altar and pray. Whatever it is, bring it to God. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be shy because God wasn't embarrassed about you. So come this morning if he's speaking to your heart. Maybe there's something going on in, in your family, your situation, your job. I, I don't know what it is, but we need God, folks. We need him. And so this morning, if he's, he's speaking to you and you want to come pray, come pray. As we close out this service together in a time of prayer, there's nothing more special than being able to come before the throne of God as a family, as the body of Christ. God, this morning you're here. And I pray that every one of us could respond to you speaking to us this morning with a statement of surrender and a statement of obedience. Here I am. What is it? What is it that you're asking of me? What is it that you want me to do? Who is it that you want me to go to? What is it this morning that I have a white knuckled grip on that I love so dearly and I trust so much that you're wanting me to open my hand up and just allow you to be in control of it? Because God, here's what we've learned. Those things that we tend to not let go of and we have such a tight grip on we can't manage those things. We can't fix those things. We can't, we can't actually hold on to those things because they're not our things. They're not our kids. They're not our finances. They're not our stuff. They're, they're, they're not ours. None of it is ours. And so this morning, I, I thank you for helping us to, to understand that, to realize whatever it is in our life that you're saying... This needs to fall under my administration. This needs to fall under my power. Because, God, you've promised us nothing but good things. You've promised us goodness. You, you've promised us life. You've promised us hope. You've promised us healing. You, you, there's so many promises in your word that we can claim in the name of Jesus today. And so I thank you for this reminder today. And I pray, I don't know what you're doing in, in the lives of the, the people that are here today, but I know that you're doing something. There are some people here today that have never even 
uh, surrendered their life to you initially just to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And today you're speaking to them about making a commitment that's not only going to change their life, but it's going to change their eternity. And it might not only change their eternity, but a wife or a child may see the result of that, see that decision, see that step of faith. And others would follow them in that journey, on that journey, taking that step with them, following them. God, we are your people. We are your church. You call us the bride. You look down at us and see us as something so beautiful. And God, we look in the mirrors and we, and we don't see that. But you see it. You see the potential. You see who you want us to be and what you would have us to be and what you would make us to be if we would just believe. Believe it. Walk up the mountain in faith and obedience. and It doesn't make sense and we think it's crazy. But God, every single time you show us you're a good, good God. You're a good Father. And you're going to pour your blessings out upon us. And not only that, you're going to multiply those blessings and they'll be a blessing to others. And so today, whatever it is, whatever it is, God, I pray that we would be willing to surrender it to you. And not just surrender our Isaac today, that one thing, but we would be willing to say, it's all yours. It all came from you. Your word says all good things come from above. And so it's all yours to begin with. So today I pray that some would be or just be willing to put it all on the table and say, God, I'm available. This is available. All of it's available. Use it for your glory. Use it for your kingdom. You have blessed me. And it's my responsibility now to allow you to bless others in and through it. So God, I pray today that you would find us faithful that you would find us obedient. God, we love you so much and we thank you for this incredible reminder today of how much you love us and how much you trust us with this valuable gift, the good news of Jesus Christ. We'll always be careful that you receive the glory that you deserve. It's in the powerful, powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you.